We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Visit RivalFantasy.com or download the app today for a better way to play daily fantasy baseball. This is the afternoon of Saturday, May 13th. My name is Chris Crawford. With me is Ryan Boyer. Today, we're going to go over those regrets, and we we have them. And we're at the basically the quarter pole, and it's finally a little past that time where you can actually start taking uh, sample sizes a little more seriously. But before we get into that, let's go over some headlines. And we got to start with a bummer, Ryan. Drew Rasmussen placed on the 60-day injured list with a flexor strain. I think we all know what flexor strain often leads to, unfortunately. Going to be shut down for two months. Ryan, he was pitching so well, too. And a guy that I think we mentioned on basically every sleeper uh, during our category preview, Drew Rasmussen, I think, showed up on every single one of those. He was making us look pretty smart. But unfortunately, pitcher injuries happen, and this is a pretty major bummer. Yeah, really came out of nowhere. I mean, he, he threw... Seven shutout innings Thursday, and then I I was on news at the time and saw a tweet from Mark Topkin, Topkin of um, Tampa Bay Times that just said, breaking Ray's place Rasmussen on the 60-day IL. And there was no right. mention of what the injury was. I was just like, uh, what? Yeah. Like, he was just awesome, like, um, 18 hours ago or whatever. Then, unfortunately, we found out. I guess it was like he felt something towards the end of the start. Uh, I was obviously able to finish it out with seven shutout innings, seven strikeouts. Um, but yeah, MRI apparently was done at some point, which revealed the bad news. I did see that uh, Eric Nylander, I guess is the is he the GM, president of baseball ops. He runs that front office now. One of those smart guys. Um, he mentioned. I saw someone tweet about it and mentioned on a in a radio interview that Rasmussen would be shut down for at least eight weeks. Right. So I, I don't know if it's possible that that was. I don't know if that the tweet that I saw came from someone official with like official media credentials or anything, or if they're just like relaying what they heard on the radio, which can not necessarily be exactly correct. It's possible. He said he's going to miss at least eight weeks, which would hence the 60 day IL. Mm -hmm. But if he's completely shut down for eight weeks, then that means 
that's it's going to be a lot longer than that at minimum. And of course, as you mentioned, unfortunately, the elbow elbow bone is connected to the whatever bone, right? Yeah, ligaments, etc. Uh, yeah, often a precursor to Tommy John, of which Drew Rasmussen has already had two. Right. So that's we're getting into uh, we're getting into Johnny Venter's territory here with uh, oh, yeah. the the multiple Tommy John surgery. If, I mean, if he's going to need a third, that's even if he only only quote unquote needs flexor tendon surgery. I mean, that's right. We've often seen that they either have the flexor tendon surgery and come back and eventually need the Tommy John or the doctor goes in to repair the repair the flexor tendon and says, eh, we should yeah. probably go ahead and cut this UCL too. Um, so not good news for Drew Rasmussen like, or the Rays. I mean, they already lost Jeffrey Springs for the season. He's having Tommy John surgery. Uh, Tyler Glass now. Coming back soon, we think. Had to leave his last rehab start. He's allegedly going to make his next rehab start. Just a little confused by that one. But um, Shane Boz obviously had Tommy John. He's going to be out all season. Those poor, poor Rays, they're just yeah. really in a difficult situation. <laughs> if they didn't have a – if they weren't 47 games over 500 already, we might, might have to feel sorry for them. But, yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer on Rasmussen. I mean, 60-day IL, like I mentioned, if if that eight-week shutdown period is accurate, I mean, it's minimum three months he's going to miss. He's, he's going to be out until at least August. Yeah, um, yeah, that's – So that, I'd be surprised if you can afford to hang on to him unless you're just extremely – have been extremely fortunate in the injury department and have that right. space to spare, but – Odds are that's probably not the case. No. And it's, again, like, I think you pretty much have to call this a end-of-season injury, in my personal opinion, just because he may be able to come back in, like, September, you know, or, like you said, mid-August or something like that. But you're going to need to have a replacement for him. I would be looking at, uh, as an internal replacement, um, Taj Bradley looked really good in his starts. However... He has not looked good in his minor league starts as of late. Yeah. So maybe they want to see him pitch a little bit better. It's kind of funny. I listed him at number one on my fantasy prospect for redraft leagues. And he went out and gave up eight runs in one inning immediately after I did that. So thanks a lot, Taj. I really appreciate the support. I did uh, I did uh, read, just to interject real quick, sorry. I, uh, someone tweeted at me after I mentioned that about Bradley, how he'd been struggling at, at Durham, that they'd have apparently been – have him work on a different like pitch mix and yes. So like I know they're trying to get him on a regular five day schedule or whatever. Um, sure. It just seemed like kind of a manipulation. Yeah. Let's, let's not go down that road again. <laughs> um, but yeah, like maybe it was just him kind of tweaking things, working on different things that contributed to the, to the struggles he was slightly better than the eight runs his last two times out, but I think he gave up four runs to the last, right. last two starts. So, but you know, like you mentioned, he was really, really good with the Rays. So maybe they've said, maybe they've seen enough. I don't know if they want to speed up that timetable that they're allegedly having him work on as far as 
getting back on the five day schedule goes. Mm -hmm. Maybe they delay that. Um, the Rays, you may have heard, have been known to use openers and long bulk bulk guys before, so they could go that route for a while. Sure. Um, Yanni Chirinos is pitching decently. Josh Fleming actually pitched pretty well yesterday, I believe. Mm -hmm. So maybe they could go that route, but we'll probably see Taj Bradley soon. He, he's certainly worth stashing if he's out there. So if you're not going to be stashing him, one name who might be available, it's going to be kind of 50-50, I think, about whether or not this guy's available in leagues. But Yuri Perez made his major league debut on Friday, and it went pretty well, I think. Four and two-thirds innings, two earned runs, did give up two homers, uh, walked two, struck out seven, got five ground ball outs. Now, Perez is widely considered for a good reason to be one of, if not the best pitching prospects in baseball. A guy who signed as like a six foot three right hander and all of a sudden developed into a what got his David Robinson on to age myself and went from six five to seven one. It's this case six three to six foot eight. But I thought he looked pretty darn impressive against a, you know, not great Cincinnati lineup by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, major league hitters and you, the eye test tells me that the stuff looked pretty good. Are you excited about Yuri Perez for the rest of the year? Yeah. I, yeah. I think you have to be, I mean, it's, I, I feel like very rare, a guy that that's, that's that young and is that like huge to have like such great control. Like right. it's, he's a, he's like a, like a pristine strike thrower. Like he's, to be able to repeat your mechanics that well at that size and that age is pretty rare. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that bodes really well for him moving forward. I mean, the usual caveat applies that he's what, 22, 21. Uh, so is he going to have success right away? No one knows that. I mean, we don't know if he's going to be going to be ready. The stuff certainly plays. He had 16, Swinging strikes on like 88 pitches yesterday. That'll work. That's a good number. Um, half of those were on the slider, but he also got, I think, four piece on the on his fastball and curveball. His three his three main pitches. So that's encouraging to see. Gave up a couple home runs, um, but really not much else. Right. Um, so yeah, pretty encouraging debut. Um, the Marlins, how many wins potentials? What is his wins potential on the Marlins? Yeah. They've been oddly proficient at winning uh, like close games so far. I think they've won straight, like, one straight, straight which yeah. is, I believe, a major league record. It is. Uh, or maybe maybe just to start the season or overall, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, yeah. so like you mentioned, one of the best pitching prospects in baseball, certainly. Um that he's already buddied up to Sandy Alcantara. Apparently, apparently Sandy Alcantara picked him up from the airport, like on his off day, which that's, that's, that's pretty cute. Uh, I don't know if you saw the video too. Uh, I did. That, that was one of the better, one of the better videos we've seen, like Sandy uh, telling them that he's on the way to the, on his way to the majors. Pretty cool. Great. He did skip, did skip over triple a, mm -hmm. um, so that contributes to the the bit of the unknown on, as far as like is he get ready to to be thrown into the fire in the major leagues? But the stuff certainly certainly plays. Um, so very exciting for uh, Yuri Perez to see if what he's got for the rest of the season. I am too. My my biggest concern with Perez is going to be 
I do think the Marlins are going to manage his innings pretty carefully. He's 20, by the way. He just turned 20 in April. So, like, you just don't see that many 20-year-old hurlers get very full workloads. You know what I mean? Like, And because I do think Miami is substantially behind the other teams in that division outside of Washington, um, the the big three, though, are certainly going to make it that – Miami's not making the postseason. They're not. Mm -hmm. That is not a postseason baseball team unless – Rob Manfred decides to expand to 14 teams or whatever and just decides to have a lot of fun with this whole thing we call baseball. Yeah, not happening. So um, you're going to see some skip starts. You're going to see uh, him go probably, as somebody just points out, you're probably not going to see him throw more than 90 pitches. I think he can go more than five innings because I think he's going to be efficient and he can get some six-inning, 80-pitch starts. Um, Some of that's going to depend on you're gonna the best things about Perez are sort of the worst things about Perez. Strikeouts are not efficient. It takes a lot of pitches to get them. And I think there are going to be times where, you know, because he's going to have four or five pitch battles against guys where he ends up getting those strikeouts, you're not going to see him qualify for the win. But I think the rights are going to be there. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he can do. There's a lot of really exciting young pitching that I think we're going to see this year. Hopefully we get to see Andrew Painter at some point. I think Grayson Rodriguez is really impressed for the most part, but you got to take the risk. You got to take some risks with the reward in this guy's type of situation. Uh, going from Yuri Perez to Jose Altuve, which is like the opposite of everything. <laughs> in terms how, of many, how, many, how many Altuves is Yuri Perez? That I, I'm going to ask the the Reddit as soon as we uh, we get done here. There is at least 1.3, I think, is going to be the answer for it. Um, but uh, Jose Altuve, who famously has been out for the for all of 2023 after breaking his thumb in the World Baseball Classic, it's been a pretty darn quick recovery, Ryan. It looked like something. It was surprising to me that they didn't put him on the 60 day injured list to start the year because I was like, how is this going to be before June? Well. Altuve's already playing in rehab games. He went 0 for 4 last night, played seven innings. I'm, uh, as a fantasy guy, excited to see what Altuve can do. Is he somebody that, like, when he comes up, and it sounds like it's going to be sometime next week. He he did admit that his timing was off after the game, and he you know, 0 for 4 for the Sugar Land Space Cowboys, which is just a real fun uh-huh. thing to say. Is he somebody that you put right in your lineup when he gets back in, or is he somebody that you might take a little bit of time with? I think you got to put him right back in your lineup. Um, I mean, I I don't know what Dusty Baker's plans are as far as um, playing him every day, the full nine innings. I don't know if he's mentioned mentioned that. Um, We did see that Michael Brantley had a setback, so it's going to be – yes even longer for him. Um, so we're still kind of waiting for that, for that lineup to get to get to full strength. But yeah, I mean, Altuve, I guess he's a quick healer. Um, I guess I think it was like a week or so ago. One of their coaches was talking about maybe like the first live BP actually took since his thumb surgery um, that he said it was maybe Alex Cintron. One of the, maybe one of their coaches sure. said that it was like, the best life BP that Altuve has ever taken. He was, he hit multiple like 440 foot home runs, which I didn't think Jose Altuve even hit those usually during the game, but I digress. Um, but the, 
Yeah, I, I think you can throw him right into the lineup. Uh, you know, he's – what is he going to offer in the stolen base department? I, I, I don't know. I, I think the potential for the new rules could help him out in that regard. I don't know if he's – but maybe he also wants to protect that thumb. He's gonna have to wear an wear an oven mitt probably for the rest of the season on that uh on that digit. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I think you can throw him right into the lineup. I mean, I personally have him stashed in a couple leagues, so I'm quite quite excited to be getting him back. Me too. Um, he's gonna be thrown right into the top of that lineup. Mauricio Dubon has certainly done an admirable job. Um, I think he'll probably still get a decent number of starts for now, at least until Brantley comes back, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Dubon is kind of, uh, as far as Roto leagues go, eh, not really, uh, going to be a standout regardless, even, even though he was performing well so far this season, not really a much of a standout in Roto leagues, but as far as Altuve goes, you know, I think we can go ahead and throw him out there. And it, I, I'm with you. It does sound like it's going to be like maybe next week. He, he could could spend 20 days, I believe, allowed 20 days on his rehab assignment technically, but mm-hmm. I don't know that he's going to need all that time. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got – it just – look, he's not going to be the same – MVP candidate. Well, he's never going to be that player again, in my personal opinion. Anyway, there's a reason why he's no longer a first round pick at fantasy drafts, but he's certainly he he was awfully good last year, though. He was awfully good. Yeah, he was a very, very strong fantasy option. I just mean he's not like the top three or four guy that he was at one point in his career. And, you know, age certainly plays a factor in this stuff. But I think if especially if you drafted him in the second or third round, you just got to take the lumps and have him in it because let's say he doesn't go through that stuff. Do you know how foolish you would feel if you have Jose Altuve sitting on your bench? Because uh, that's, uh, that's just one of those things. There, there's no way that you have a way better second baseman on your roster than Jose right. Altuve. Unless, if you do, congratulations. That's great. But there's probably not a lot of chance of that happening. Uh, Ryan, Nick Lodolo. So this actually broke a little bit. Um, before our our prep but we were going to talk about him anyway so Derek Law is actually starting Saturday's game uh Keith Law's cousin not, that's actually not true but mm-hmm. he likes to claim it I like to claim up JP Crawford's dad and he likes to claim that he is Derek Law's cousin uh but Nick Lodolo is uh being returned uh going to Cincinnati for an examination on his sore left calf so he's going to miss at least one start it sounds like this could be a type of thing where he gets placed on the injured list even if the calf checks out okay i imagine something like this could be happening with him to give him that rest and to make sure that everything checks out right but lodolo i think is a guy who has shown flashes of brilliance uh in that cincinnati rotation but it kind of sounds like we're going to not see him for a couple of weeks ryan yeah and i think that's probably for the best like it sounds like this is something that's maybe been nagging since spring training that they they're calling it like a calf slash ankle injury so we still don't know exactly what's going on there, but I mean, he's, it could explain his pretty slow start. We've seen from a strikeout to walk rate. He's been great. Right. Um, he's given up a ton of home runs. I think he's given up the most, at least in the national league, like 10 home runs already. Um, and just a ton of hits in general. 
So I, the velocity has been down a little bit, not like alarmingly so, but I, I've got to think that that probably, probably plays a part as well um, mm-hmm. in the location. The command's probably just not totally there, which, I mean, if you're performing on like 80%, 75% on one of your legs, it's, sure. that's not going to be great for your mechanics. So, right. I mean, I think it's probably for the best that he gets shut down for a couple of weeks um, and just heals up, comes back. And uh, hopefully as that, uh, the version of Nick, Nick Lodolo that we saw down the stretch last season when he was just dominant for the last like six ish weeks or so, um, crazy amount of horizontal movement on his pitches um, gets the slider is just a really, really good pitch for him. Yeah. One of my favorite guys coming into the season, as far as uh, mid to late ish round pitchers go, although he ended up getting so much helium that I didn't get, I wasn't able to roster him in as many leagues as I would, would have liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still very bullish on Nick Lodolo. Shut it down for a couple of weeks, um, come back, and uh, hopefully we'll see that Nick Lodolo we saw down the stretch last year. Yeah, I think one of the things, and I wonder if this has been bothering him for a while, because Nick Lodolo is a six foot six lefty with a pretty solid wingspan, and he ranks in the 31st percentile in extension this year. And I'm wondering if, because that is his plant leg, if he's been mm-hmm. struggling with getting that extension. Because look, as good as your stuff can be, if people are picking up the baseball on you, especially in that borderline joke of an offensive ballpark, very friendly, especially like for right-handed hitters who are picking up the baseball, that can be pretty huge. And yeah. I do wonder, because he was in the 62nd last year, so it's not like this is not Logan Gilbert who is like releasing the baseball, like uh, almost like he's just dropping uh, it over the plate. Dropping, exactly. Yeah. Walter <laughs> is a different breed, but he certainly isn't a guy who should be in the 31st percentile with that type of size either. So I do wonder if that's been something that's been bugging him. My only thing with Lodolo is because he's control over command and because he pitches in those parks, there are going to be some really wretched starts, like some really bad outings. But I think especially when he's on the road and when he gets to face, you know, some of those, Ryan and I were talking about this off air. Every, the centrals should be eliminated. We we should get rid of the NL central. We should get rid of the AL central. We didn't actually say that, but I'm speaking for Ryan right now. And he totally agrees with me. Um, maybe minus one team. Uh, maybe he would disagree with that. Although they have not been playing very well, Ryan, we don't have uh we don't have an hour, unfortunately, to talk oh, I've about heard. that team. You have heard. You have heard indeed. Um, But yeah, Lodolo, I think, is somebody who probably I'd be shocked if he doesn't go on the injured list and probably come back right around the start of June. And I do think he'll be much better over the rest of the fantasy season. Uh, Cedric Mullins, it's for the cycle, Ryan. And I think Cedric Mullins is an interesting fantasy guy because, you know, as people who work in the industry, I'm not sure if any player has generated as much hot takes over the last few years as Cedric Mullins has. You know, he had the 30-30 season, and a lot of data came out that suggested that that was not sustainable whatsoever, according to uh, many TED Talks, the versions of Fantasy TED Talks. And I think he was okay last year, but he's been pretty darn good this year. What do you think of thoughts on Cedric Mullins for the rest of 2023? Um. I think he's 
more of last year's version ultimately, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. More than fine, especially in a Roto League. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he is, what, 12 for 12 so far in, in stolen base attempts this year. He's going to be among the league leaders in that regard. Um, the hitter's graveyard and left field in Camden Yards doesn't affect him as much because he's hitting lefty. So right. he's not going to be a 30 home run guy ever again, I don't think. Maybe not even a 20 home run guy, but I mean, if he, he hits 18 home runs and steals 30 plus bases, the one thing with him is he's been moving down to ninth predominantly against lefties. Yes. Uh, so it's lead off against, um, Oh, sorry. Right, I'm, That's good. I, I, I'm going to, I gotta be, I gotta pull this comment up. So it's, it's breaking news here from CAO Chad TTV. Our Just announced Chad. Contreras moved back to catcher already starting Monday. So this whole week was pointless. I mean, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, Ryan. Okay. Okay. I got, I, I, we, we can talk about Cedric Bones in a second. <laughs> who, what, where, yeah. why, when, and who they're, they're, me- they're, me- their messaging with that was just so bad. Like, it's clear that like, it seemed like maybe they made this decision like five minutes before they talked to the media that day, because oh. everybody was just, all over the place, and then they reverse course the next day. First they said, yeah, we're going to play a bunch in the outfield. And then Mosaic said, no, we're not going to play him in the outfield. Um, is is there a plan to put him back, put him back at catcher eventually? Uh, not necessarily two days later. Oh, yeah, we're going to try to put him back at catcher as soon as we can. He's just got to check off some boxes about things, how we do things around here. Uh, I mean, I'm glad to hear that he's going back a catcher. The whole thing is r- ridiculous to begin with. It's not like you have, you know, Austin Hedges on defense behind him. Sure. Andrew Kisner is like rates horrendously as far as yeah. uh, like stat cast goes. Like maybe the pitchers are comfortable th- throwing to him. Clearly they are, but. Right. Okay. Sorry. I, I, I just saw that and had to. No. No, <laughs> had to offer my offer my hot takes, but I'm glad Thank to hear you. that he is he is going yeah. back behind the plate. I just um, I, I I am flabbergasted yeah. by the one. I thought the Cardinals were going to be much better so far, and there's lots of baseball left to be played, and still could be a very solid baseball team. But you combine this with the Tyler O'Neill crap that we went through earlier in the season, and I just wonder if like. Maybe Ollie Marmal needs like a, a PR dude to be following him around and like a little shot caller that like as soon as he starts to say something, you start to hit the buzz button because this is unbelievable. Like unbelievable. Um wow. Just like it, it it's it's clear to me, and this is why I know that like if you're not a Cardinals fan, you have zero sympathy. Like it's clear that this organization has not had to face much adversity, and they're not used <laughs> to dealing with it. Yeah. Like, and and they just really, just completely botched this whole situation. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, hopefully, hopefully, it's one of those. At least from my perspective, hopefully, in a few months we look back and laugh because they've somehow won the division. 
Oh, um, it totally is. Like this is going um, to be something funny they put on the DVD if people still bought DVDs <laughs> for the World Series Championship. I, I just know it. it. It's going to be on there as just a little side thing. Um, man, I don't know. I really don't know. But back to real quick to Cedric Mullins. Uh, I really, really like Cedric Mullins and on base percentage leagues, especially because his approach is so good. And, you know, hitting ninth against lefties, you know, a chance to score some runs because I do like the top of that lineup against right-handers as well, you know? So I, I do think he has a chance to help contribute in that category. It's just that the power, it, it, not quite Brady Anderson-esque, the, the power grinds. Like, I don't think it's, it's quite that diverse, but he's probably more of a 15 to 20 homer guy compared to the 30. But I think maybe we might be looking at a 45 to 50 stolen base guy, Ryan. And, you know, that's, not as meaningful now because I think we're going to get quite a few guys. What do you think the ultimate stolen base leader is going to end up at this year? I think we talked about this. Before. It might be on. Like, uh, it might be on his team, uh, Jorge Mateo. Although Asturias Ruiz, like, yes, stole like I think like four bases in the first like fourteen games or something, and now he just has like six or seven more than everyone else. At least at, at last check. Yeah, and he's been hitting leadoff for the for the A's, and as you might have heard, well, they're not they so got to figure out some way to generate runs. So I think <laughs> anytime he gets on base, he's going to be allowed to uh, he's going to be allowed to run. And he's actually, I know we're going off another tangent here again, no, but sorry. he's actually been better offensively than I thought he was going to be. Like he's not as completely feeble as far as like exit velo goes as he had been. So. Yeah, I think uh, Asturia Rees is uh, a good bet to uh, to lead the to lead baseball in steals. And I, I want to say we're going to set the over under at seventy five. Is that yeah? Is that too much? No, think I don't think reasonable. So. I think seventy five is perfectly yeah. reasonable. It wouldn't shock me if we got something in that eighty range. It really wouldn't, just because. I mean, he's right around that pace, I think. We're at about the quarter pole, so it's probably yeah. closer to 68 or something. But there are going to be, like, eras or eras. There's going to be times where he's going to steal, like, six or seven bags in a week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Acuna's right on that uh, around that pace as well. I imagine he's going to slow down a little bit just because they're going to be pretty careful with keeping him uh, healthy. But uh, it's been fun. It has been really fun watching these guys steal bases, especially Wander Franco, because – Look, maybe it took the rule change to happen, but I, I do feel like doing a little bit of a victory lap there. I knew he was capable of contributing, at least in that category. Power's been unreal, too. But uh, back to Cedric Mullins. Solid fantasy player. Flawed, but solid. All right, we're going to talk about some of our draft regrets. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy games include Fantasy Bingo, head-to-head player challenges, and Fantasy Book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, Daily Fantasy has never been better. Now, right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. 
Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash signup and use code MLB at signup and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now is the time to step to the plate and become a Rival today. Welcome to the arena. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about some draft day misses. And look, we, me and Drew did this in April, and it was more about uh, the guys that, oh, I wish we would have taken this guy higher. And Wander Franco was one of the guys that we talked about. But we're deep enough now that we can actually start to go, uh oh, <laughs> because these numbers can't go away, Ryan. And it's becoming more of a pattern for a few of these guys. And I, Ryan, why don't you talk about Jose Abreu first? Because I think that's the first name that comes to mind for everybody. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I certainly, I know I wasn't alone because I saw plenty in the industry talking about how great of a fit this was going to the Astros. I mean, how could it not be going to that lineup, getting to take advantage of those Crawford boxes? 
But man, it just has not been good for Mr. Abreu. Um, out of 174 qualifiers, he ranks 172, 172nd in OPS at 521. Oof. Last home run came September 13th of last year. Going back to the All-Star break of last year, he has four home runs in 104 games. This is a guy who's like, I mean, you could pencil him the look at the back of the baseball card numbers, yep. 30 home runs and 100 RBI literally every single year. So just really disturbing. Um, 87 mile an hour exit velocity so far this year. Last year it was 92.2, uh, 35.1% hard hit rate. Last year it was 51.8, 51.8 to 35.1% hard hit rate year over year. Just terrible. 4.4% bar- barrel rate, awful. That's uh, after he it was 9.5% last year, and that that 9.5% was his lowest in four years. So the 4.4% is just way down. Um, you know, Jose Abreu has traditionally been a slow starter. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not this slow. Yes. Uh, but if you look as, at month by month, uh, April has been his worst month of his career. I'm guessing that probably has a lot to do with the fact that it's cold in Chicago in April and no one likes to hit when it's, 30 degrees and windy out. Right. Um, but I mean, that, that was like, I think it's like 70, uh, 765 OPS in his career in April, something like that. So it's not like it's bad. Like it's just right. worse than his other months. But now yeah, we're talking about May 13th now, and he's sitting on a 521 OPS. And yeah. he's not a young man, Jose oh. Abreu. So. You know, why I want to lean on the track record, because there's a very substantial track record, it remains a great situation for him. I mean, Dusty Baker has hinted that he would still like to hit a Abreu cleanup, even when everybody is healthy, because he wants right. to split up Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker. Um, but can you imagine, I mean, Dusty Baker has built up a lot of goodwill, but can you imagine putting Jose Abreu, this version of Jose Abreu, above Kyle Tucker in your lineup right now? It's, I don't think splitting up the lefties is worth it in that in that to that extreme. But there is so much track record to lean on that you just want to say, you know, his numbers are going to be there in the end, or at least close to it. But we did see the power as good as he was overall last year offensively. The power he only hit 15 home runs. Right. Um, and he's 36. It's like when a guy loses it, this is kind of what it looks like. Like you lose it at some point. Um, maybe this is it for Jose Abreu. I'm holding him for now uh, and just sticking him on my bench. I think in a shallower league, you might have to be forced into a difficult decision. Um, but I still think he's probably going to come around, but it's it's not looking good, Chris. No, it's looked really bad. And here's the the glimmer of hope, everything you just said. Like April 8th to May 15th, 2022 last year, he was at 197, 272, 
312, a 584 OPS, but he'd already hit three home runs and five extra base or uh, five doubles in that time frame. Like we would kill for three home runs at this point for Jose Abreu. And this is how age works, folks. And he's played a lot of baseball, like when he was in the Cuban League. Um, that's that all counts. This is all stuff that is going against him. And righty righty hitters, right handed power hitters have a terrible track record of aging. By the way, breaking up uh, Yornan Alvarez and uh, Kyle Tucker just because they're left handed, that's like trying to break up. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Blake, Blake Lively because, you know, you, you want to see something different in the middle. That's stupid. It is absolutely dumb dumb because both of those guys can hit left-handed pitching mm -hmm. just fine. And this is not the age of Tony Fossis anymore where you can bring in these lefties to only get these guys out. I believe the Mariners brought in Robbie Ray to face Jordan Alvarez in a playoff game, and I don't think it worked out very well for some reason. Uh, and Jose Alvarado, um, you yes. might remember that, I do that remember famous that. World Series home run that yes. – Went yeah. about 8,000 feet. By the way, Jose Alvarado also placed on the injured list. Big bummer there. Be curious to see if Philadelphia is aggressive with some bullpen help because I think he was a massive part of what they were going to do. And also proof that anytime you hear somebody say an injury is minor, that was described as wrist tightness, and all of a sudden it became something much more. Never believe people when they tell you something. Uh, the guy I wanted to highlight real quick, uh, real quick, Andre Jimenez was a guy that I was kind of all over, um, and he's been terrible this year, Ryan. And one of the biggest concerns I have with Andre Jimenez is it's not just that he's terrible. That Cleveland lineup stinks, and they can't hit, man. And with him hitting seventh often, like he's getting a chance to drive in AAA baseball players at this point. How concerned are you about Andre Jimenez right now? Yeah, I mean, that lineup has just been – Absolutely dreadful. Um, I wrote about in the this week's uh, lineup lowdown was when I covered the AL, and I highlighted Ahmed Rosario, and I was like, "Gosh, he's been so bad. He, he might be moved down from the second spot in the lineup, and then they're going to move up." Oh wait, everybody below him has been terrible too. <laughs> yeah. So maybe not. Um, but yeah, the frustrating thing, as you mentioned to make it extra frustrating is he's hitting low in a bad lineup. Like, right. I mean, he might have the counting stats just aren't going to be great, especially when he's, you know, not hitting well himself. Uh, right. I mean, he was from a expected stats perspective last year, one of the quote unquote luckier players last year. So you could see some regression coming. I, I don't know. I think he's still good, though. Like, I think he's probably ultimately going to be fine. There's no way that lineup's going to be this bad um, all season. I don't. I still don't think it's a great lineup, but right. it's going to be better, surely. Um, I don't think you can certainly cut Andres Jimenez, but you know, I, I would. I would hold. I think he's. Yeah. I think he's ultimately probably going to be probably going to be okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think he's going to probably finish as one of the top dozen second basemen or so, but I think that's more darning with faint praise than being uh, somebody to be excited about. By the way, uh, Uncle Ted Talks brings up that Oscar Colas and Oscar Gonzalez were my biggest draft whips. 
like Oscar Gonzalez was a guy that I was absolutely excited for as well. Immediately mm-hmm. became a platoon player, which I don't mm-hmm. think anybody was expecting short, at short all. Short side platoon yes, player. Short side platoon player. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Miles Brennan has a chance to be something. I don't really see it. Um, I would be rather be playing Oscar Gonzalez every day, but now not even, I believe, got sent down. Not Chris, Chris you, just, you just combined two, two bad Guardians outfielders in that. Oh, I'm sorry. Will, 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 Will Brennan. Yeah, Miles, Miles Brennan. You Miles could, Brennan you is a Miles Strong, Will Brennan. Combined yeah. <laughs> combined to form one terrible outfielder. <laughs> Miles Brennan is a quarterback that was at LSU who has been given a uh, chance to get the start quite a bit. So I'm not completely crazy, except I am. Um, but <laughs> I'm I'm concerned. And look, it's also worth pointing out that Andre Jimenez, his 371 on base percentage last year, it took him being hit 26 times to reach that mark. Now, he's already been hit six times this year, so clearly is willing. He's got the Ty France uh, thing where he's willing to lean into one, but the power hasn't been there. And I've been 17 home runs seemed like a lot from him last year. I was not expecting him to be in that 15 to 20 range, but I was hoping, you know, doesn't that is a pretty good park for left-handed power though it is it is he could luck into some extra home runs i hope so because only two so far this year and slugging 346 uh switching from andre semenes who might be good to a borderline hall of famer how concerned are you about nolan arenado my friend yeah it's funny we or at least i i picked made these picks for this podcast uh prior to yesterday's game Mm -hmm. and then Hard out of four for five with with a home run, so maybe he's coming out of it now. Because these numbers that I'm going to read you off, when I first wrote them down, they were much worse. Okay, four for five, <laughs> a four for five uh, day oh, with yeah, a home run it makes your it kind of bumps up your stats a little bit. But even after that big day, Arenado ranks uh, 135th out of 174 players in OPS. 671 OBS 20.2% strikeout rate. You might think, okay, that's, that's good. Pretty good for a power hitter actually, but it's not good for him. He had an 11.6% strikeout rate. Like he's just has extremely good bat to ball skills for, for a power hitter. Uh, So those, that strikeout rate was just atypical for him. He's never been like a big, like stack ass guy as far as exit below goes. But even that's been down so far this year. 87.5 mile power exit velocity, 34.5% hard hit rate. And it's just just from a as a Cardinals fan, from an anecdotal perspective, just watching him, like he just seemed super frustrated and just taking weird swings. Like yeah. Roto Pat, Patrick Doherty, good buddy of mine. Good friend, friend of the podcast, Patrick Doherty. Um, we we often text during Cardinals games, and like I can't tell you how many times we've exchanged texts. Like Arnado's got to be hurt, right? Because he just looks weird. Yeah. Like, but I guess I mean he would have said something surely if he was, because he's. I think he's just been super frustrated, and he's also a guy like like he he lives like like eat, sleep, breeze baseball. I think he probably overdoes it just as far as working on fixing his swing and he's just gotten in his head. But, you know, he showed yesterday why he's still Nolan Laronado. Hopefully that's a trend that continues. I mean, you got to 
certainly bet on the track record there. Right. Um, he's, as I mentioned, a guy who has not been great as far as, you know, batted ball data goes. Like he just doesn't really hit the ball terribly hard. And he, he hits home runs by pulling it in the air. Like, li- like literally all of his home runs are pulled in the air. Right. But with the way the ball is playing this year, that's not such a bad thing. Those, a lot of those balls are going to, are going to leave the yard, even at, even at Bush stadium. So I think he's ultimately going to be fine, but this was an extremely frustrating stretch from Nolan Arenado. But I, I do think he's ultimately going to be okay. I think he's going to be okay too. I will say that my concern with Arenado is I do think that's a skill set that is not necessarily going to deteriorate quietly. Like at some yeah. point, um, you know, luckily the defense is still excellent. He's like, again, He's a Hall of Fame player. He is, without a doubt, in my personal opinion, I don't care that he played in Colorado. He could have been playing in Double A Midland. Like that defense was that good. He absolutely belongs. Um, but ultimately, I think Nolan Arenado will be okay. But it's disappointing because these stats are banked in, and unfortunately, he's not going to probably finish with the type of numbers that suggest it was okay to draft him in that top twenty-five, top thirty, which you may have had to do to draft somebody of his skill set. Ryan, I talked about Starling Marte a bunch in our uh, categories previews, and most of it was, I'm concerned, I'm concerned, I'm concerned. And yet, my dumb butt still drafted Starling Marte an awful lot, and I'm getting what I paid for. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, I'm getting words. Words are hard, Ryan. Starling Marte's been really bad this year. 226, 294, 282. Just one homer. Has helped with nine stolen bases, three caught stealings. I'm concerned about Starling Marte, uh, and that is partially because of what we were just talking about with Nolan Arenado. Uh, double it for Starling Marte, because this is the type of skill set that can age real bad, real quick. And I think we're starting to see, this is probably going to become a freezing cold take. I think we might be seeing the beginning of the end with Starling Marte. Yeah, I mean, we the pods we get we did together, I think we both were very down on him. And fortunately for my smart butt, I guess, (laughs) I did not end up with him in any leagues because of those worries. And like the nine stolen bases have been nice, yes. But like if you look at his sprint speed, like it is completely dropped off the table. Like he's gone from year over year, like the last five years, like he's 90th percentile. 90th percentile, like 65th percentile. And then this year he's like 30th percentile for sprint speed. Like he, he seems like a guy that's getting old quickly. Um, Moved down to six spot in the, what has been a surprisingly bad Mets lineup thus far. Yeah. I do think it will get better and he's probably ultimately going to move back up, but I don't, I don't have a ton of confidence that he's also don't have a ton of confidence that he's going to stay healthy. Like, that's the other thing about guys who look like they're aging rapidly. They also have a tendency to get hurt. And this is a guy who's often gotten hurt already in the past. So yeah, I'm, I'm not optimistic about a, a Starling Marte rebound. I, I would be willing to sell him at, you know, 40 cents on the dollar. Probably. Sure. I, think, I think that would probably be your best move right now. Yeah, that, that totally yeah. makes sense. And it's um like I said, it's just that 
It's not quite Michael Bourne-esque, but we see this happen with these type of profiles, man. We see the guys who are um, rely on athleticism. And, and all due respect to Starling Marte, he's had a very strong career and played a lot of good – people forget the Pirates were pretty darn good when Starling Marte actually came up and helped that team uh, reach the postseason and, you know, was a solid contributor for Oakland, solid contributor last year. This guy had an 814 OPS last year when it hit 16 home runs and 18 steals while missing 40 games. But yeah, it's I have just been burnt by this type of profile so many times, and I'm mad at myself for letting me get burnt again. Uh, Ryan, let's quickly go over some pitchers that we regret. Uh, I'll quickly go Alec Manoa. It's kind of the same thing that uh, we talked about uh, with Starling Marte. I I had my concerns. I did not think he was going to be this bad, though. And there have been a few flashes, but he's just not missing bats at all. And if he's the, as good as his stuff can be, I think he's a better real-life pitcher than fantasy pitcher anyway. But everything I've seen from Alec Manoa is like, oh, maybe fantasy pundits were kind of right about having some concerns about this guy. Yeah, like it's not – the stuff just hasn't looked as good good um this year from alec manoa and he can be homer prone as well Mm -hmm. um and when he's when the stuff is not looking as good not as sharp and he's also not commanding it his control which is typically great has been terrible so far this year it's totally atypical for him I, i don't know is it fair to wonder if the pitch clock might be bothering him quite a bit like he's a bigger guy maybe it's a conditioning thing that could Could be can't rebound as well in between pitches um i think that's i think that's fair to wonder sure um i think he's ultimately going to be okay but you know he'll probably make those adjustments but he is as you mentioned like not an elite strikeout guy he is going to have some home run issues the slider has been like that's a traditionally just been a unbelievable pitch for him it really hasn't this year i, I think that's going to be he'll switch he'll figure that out sure um, and i think he's ultimately going to be okay but the ceiling i think is probably not as high as what the reputation is probably with alex manoa um so i i think he's he's going to rebound and probably be fine but i, I think he's not going to maybe not going to fully bounce back um, yeah, I, here's my thing. I think he's going to be fine in the long term. I think that there are going to be years for Alec Manoa because he is not a elite misser of bats that just aren't going to be as good. So if mm-hmm. you're playing in a redraft league and somebody's offering you some solid stuff for Alec Manoa, I'd be willing to do it because I think there are adjustments that he's going to have to make this year. And the fact that, again, because he doesn't, this is not a guy who is Garrett Cole. This is not a guy who's always going to be like, well, even on the bad starts, I can reach back and just throw this ball by guys. Or, you know, as good as that slider is, it's more of a bowling ball. It's that's really hard to square up more than a pitch that is going to just devastate guys. So if you can get some decent stuff, I'd be looking to move Alec Manoa. Uh, real quick, I'll close with mine, and then I'll let you finish, Ryan, with uh, the two draft day misses for you. Clay Holmes. And my issue with Clay Holmes is, unfortunately, relievers. It, and Clay Holmes, unfortunately, I think is still the best reliever on the New York Yankees. 
But we're seeing he's going to be used in a bunch of different situations. This is not going to be, I kind of thought he was going to be their set it and forget it closer. I don't know why um, history, I guess he looked good in that role. I thought for the most part last year, but unfortunately Clay Holmes, like I think if you were draft, you drafted him as one of your closers, you've got to look for a replacement because the rate should be good, but I just don't think he's going to pile up the saves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Aaron Boone has kind of given him that dreaded vote of confidence. I, I, I'd like to go back in history, by the way, and see after relievers have gotten that vote of confidence, oh, whether, yeah. whether things actually worked out well. Cause I, I have a feeling that like 90% of the time it just doesn't go well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, I, I did find it interesting that you, slipped in Garrett Cole in the Alec Manoa conversation because they <laughs> have a bit of a history with, with one another. Um, touch, <laughs> touching on my uh, pitching misses thus far, I was heavily, still am heavily invested in Reed Detmers. Mm-hmm. And unlike some of the other guys we've talked about, I'm actually still fully confident that he's going to be fine. Um, but so far, not great, Bob. Zero wins, <laughs> 5.10 ERA, 1.50 whip. He has one quality start in six tries. However, 38 strikeouts in 30 innings. And, you know, the reason why so many people, myself included, were excited about Reed Detmers, down the stretch last year and in spring training, the velocity spiked. He right. not only – he started throwing in a harder slider um, and his fastball in the spring training also this year went up. And then that's still been the case so far during the regular season. He's averaging 95 with his fastball, 90.3 so far miles per hour with his slider, not getting the results mm-hmm. necessarily, but he's still missing bats. I'm, I'm still a, I would buy low on Reed Detmers if you are, if he's available in your league. Um, one guy I'm less sure about. I I'm nervous about as as heavily invested about in in Edward Cabrera as I have been mm, so far right. this season. Yeah, I made a kind of a tongue in cheek uh, tweet the other day. Like Edward Cabrera should only be viewable via pitching ninja gifts because <laughs> like that's that's how you want to consume your Edward Cabrera content. Because when you watch that, you think, oh, my gosh, how does anyone ever get a hit off this guy? And then you watch his starts, and you just want to tear your hair out. Like yeah. it's just, His his last start against the Diamondbacks was the perfect microcosm of what he is. First three innings, one hit, five strikeouts, one base runner through those three innings. And then he went like – in the fourth inning, he went walk, walk. F3, single, walk, balk, walk, they done. <laughs> like, and I'm not even exaggerating. That's literally how no. And then he was like, it's just so frustrating. Like, he still has 49 strikeouts and 35 in the third innings. Mm. If he had enough innings to qualify, which he doesn't because he walks so many guys and he has to get pulled, he would rank ninth in baseball with a 29.9% strikeout rate. But, I mean, 1.67 whip, 18.3% walk rate. His 30 walks are the most in the National League. 
Yeah. Brad Keller, Brad Keller, who somehow still has a job. <laughs> I'm surprised too. Royals rotation has, has somehow yeah. walked more guys and then in the American League. But yeah, Edward Cabrera, <coughs> excuse me, Edward Cabrera's the stuff is I mean, the guy throws a 95 mile an hour changeup. Like, yeah. He can be like it, he could throw a no hitter, like he very easily could throw a no, not very easily, but I mean, he could, he's the kind of guy who's, if he has it going, like he could be unhittable. But oh, yeah, he can also, as I mentioned, just completely fall apart. And it's, you'd never know, like it's not even start to start, it's inning to inning. You just never know when it's going to come, when it's going to go for him. Yeah. He loses his release point as badly as any major league starting pitcher I think I've ever seen. Uh, I, it's funny you talked about that tweet. Um, I joked that uh, watching uh, Edward Cabrera starts is like me watching Phyllis's wedding on The Office. It's great in highlights, but actually the ever, actual full thing is just way too awkward for me to finish. Um, uh, real quick on Detmers. I think the interesting about Detmers is he's a much different pitcher than everybody thought he was going to be coming out of college. Like this was the guy I remember doing a podcast with Drew uh, for uh, redacted that, you know, we talked about how this guy was like probably the most ready college pitcher in a while, because he was a guy who didn't throw super hard, but he commanded everything really well. And it was the curveball, ball. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. He threw the curveball uh, and was uh, had a pretty solid changeup and he threw everything for strikes. But as we so often see, people will find something and they obviously the Angels saw, well, we can get this guy's velocity way up. When that happens, they become different pitchers. And Reen Detmers is not a strike throwing machine. Far from it. Like his command has been pretty darn bad. And I think that's just something that I'm still very excited for him in the long term because I think once you have that ability to throw strikes, I don't think you completely lose it. And maybe he has to go back to being more of a 94, 95 guy to get into that range. But with his movement and the fact that he has shown the ability to command that stuff, I think he can be a solid mid-rotation guy. I just think you're going to have to take a lot of bitter with better with him like be as he's finding himself, really. like this. And we know young people, it takes some time to find themselves in real life fantasy baseball pitchers it's true for as well i did not think i would get that deep in this podcast today ryan um but yeah i do like detmers i cabrera i think is like the perfect relief candidate like find out what he can do at 100 and see what he can because like that fastball change combo as a reliever yeah. oh my goodness gracious that could be special i understand why they're giving him the chance but i think he got a cut bait for 2023 as a fantasy starter it, it's just not worth it the the Phyllis wedding of it all is just not worth it. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us next week. We'll talk about something more positive, Ryan, rather than all these guys who disappointed us. Probably not. <laughs> you can follow Ryan at Ryan P Boyer and I am at Crawford underscore M I L B. Thanks again to rival fantasy, go to rivalfantasy.com or download the app today and start playing a far better form of daily fantasy baseball. Make sure you hit like, make sure you hit subscribe. And remember we've got a new episode coming Every single day. Uh, me and Drew will be at it tomorrow. I, I, I'm not excited about it. I know you guys aren't either. I, I'm so sick of Drew's voice, but it is what it is. And we'll talk to you guys soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.